Welcome to This Is Life. Greetings. Hope you guys are doing well out there. Yes, it is. Uh, you're back to your regularly scheduled episode podcast here on Fridays. Uh, of course, this is This Is Life. I hope you enjoyed this earlier this week's the bonus episode that we did with Matt uh, talking about space and the vastness of space and just uh, the humble, how, how you know, really, if you look in perspective and, and you really think about it, how it can be quite humbling. But at the same time, it's also just educational. It's also just to get to know, you know, these things. And so I thought it would be a fun topic and I hope you definitely enjoyed it. Again, he loves talking about it. And so I'm always looking for interesting topics for the show, especially if we're trying to get away from the coronavirus topic for a little while. And that seemed as good as any. Uh, however, we're going to jump right back into the coronavirus today. I, and the only reason why I'm bringing it up again is just because I think that it's, yes, I know you're hearing it from every place, every news outlet, every radio show, a lot of podcasts out there. Everyone seems to be talking about it, but I think it's important because it's everyone has a different experience. We're all kind of in this boat together, but our vantage and our viewpoint is different. I, I think that the doctors and nurses are going to have a different viewpoint than people like me who are able to stay and work from home, obviously. Um, people who are on the road all the time, you know, the truck drivers, they have a completely different perspective than somebody like Matt, who we're going to be talking about today, who works in the IT department for the local, for, for a local state department. So... You know, we all have different viewpoints and, 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 you know, experiences with this, how it's affecting us, good, bad, different, and and, and ugly. And how can we help one another uh, in this time of crisis? And how can we all make sure that it... You know, we do our part to make sure that it's over as soon as possible, because I think that everyone wants to go back to quote unquote normal. Uh, I, mean, I think there's obviously going to be the, 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 a new normal quote unquote. Um, I think our world's definitely going to be changed. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sad about that, but I don't think there's any way to get around it. Uh, just like the world changed after nine 11, just like the world changed after world war two, just like the world changed after any other significant historical event. We just happen to be in the middle of this generation's historical uh, event. And of course it's going to change the world and i hope that uh we can find a way to adapt and uh come back together maybe i you know i'd love to see good things come out of this i'd love for uh for people to start loving each other more and taking care of each other more to not taking each other or experiences for granted um you know it's really been kind of nice to see a lot of people creatively finding ways to get together even though they may not be able to do it physically you know Praise God we're, that we have to go through this crisis that at least we have something called the Internet, which is allowing us to connect in ways that, you know, 20, 30 years ago were not even a thought, weren't even possible. You know, so when you talk about like video chat and Zoom meetings and – you know, uh, just all the different ways that, you know, countless ways that we can communicate this, you know, nowadays without having to actually be in, you know, in front of each other, you know, praise God, we have those ways. You know, we just, the other night, we, my, my wife and my daughter and I, uh, had cooked, we just put a, put a fire outside, you know, in a little bit of fire pit. And we thought it'd be kind of fun. A friend of ours called and said, Hey, we're going to grill our hot dogs over the fire tonight. Do you want to do a 
to Zoom or FaceTime or something, uh, we can do it together. Like that. Yes, that's a great idea. So we did. We we built a fire. They built a fire. Uh, we we you know cooked hot dogs over the fire and just talked and enjoyed each other's company. And sometimes we just were just quiet, you know, just doing our own thing, which would be normally what we would do if they were in with us in person. You know, you don't necessarily have to always be talking, but just being in the midst of one another and having the option to talk to see each other and talk to each other is you know golden and so creatively just finding ways to reconnect like that really go a long ways to help us to try and stay sane during this time right to try and really you know make it so that we don't go stir crazy in our own home and you know even just going for a drive i mean that alone in and of itself is therapeutic you know don't just stay within the walls of your home if you're stuck here at home you know just find ways to really go out there and also if you're out there working hard you know find ways to decompress you know to read the stresses that are out there and the risks that you're taking you know take care of yourself you know because we need you all you essential workers out there guys we need you stay healthy stay you know um alert stay energetic stay refreshed uh because we would we, we can't do what you do so we need you so thank you very very much all right so today we're gonna have matt back on it's kind of continuation of where we left off from last week we kind of we didn't expect to do this when we were talking we originally just were gonna talk about space and call it good but we kind of dovetailed into how you know you know the, the how we're all basically one planet all working together for a common goal which is to defeat this uh this pandemic and you know so what does that look like what does that look like for you what does it look like for me what does it look like for matt what does it look like for all of us and so because i had matt on the line we just kind of dovetailed into that topic about how this whole experience is affecting him and how it's affecting my me how it's affecting his family my family people we know love and we know how it's affecting all of us and so you have a story you know i have a story we all have a story about this in fact i'd really like to find other people you know who are experiencing this from their viewpoint i think that'd be really interesting to do so i'm that's kind of my that's kind of my homework assignment as i'm out there find now that i have found a way to interview somebody from my home they don't have to be right across the desk for me i can actually do it you know over the internet now uh now that i have that capability i can't wait to get other people on the show and we can get back to interviews because i think that's where this this podcast really shines all right so let's uh without any further delay let's get right into the second part of my conversation with matt I think, though, I guess real quick, how, how do you think that – I mean, obviously, 9-11 changed a lot of things politically and security-wise and all of those things. How do you think that this epidemic, this pandemic, rather, is going to change society? How do you think that we will be different coming out on the other side? Um, and and let, we can just talk about this, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally. I mean um, – I don't know. That's a key question. Wise, you're going to see, if I were to speculate, you're going to see that we ensure people have resources to be able to do things medically, right? They're going to have masks, they're going to have beds, they're going to have uh, ventilators, all these things, because we don't want this to ever happen again. Um, you're probably going to see, and politics being what it is, you, I would hope that you would see some sort of a giant shift within the healthcare system. Um, because we've kind of realized, and we can't, people already knew this, but now it's becoming more apparent. It's hard to, it's, it, 
our healthcare system in the United States runs at about 70% capacity at all times. That's mm-hmm. your knee replacements, your appendicitis, your tonsillectomies, your broken arms, anything that would require a hospital. Um, we're running at about 70% all the time. We don't have the manpower or the space to plop a pandemic on top of that. We just don't. Um, but I don't know what that looks like to quote unquote fix the healthcare system. But I think this definitely demonstrates that there is a problem within the healthcare system. Um, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to fix it. Um, but I think you'll see a radical shift in the healthcare system. I don't know if that means bigger hospitals or if that means more mom and pop hospitals or if it means that, you know, maybe nurse practitioners and nurses and such are able to do more, m- more medically intensive things. Um, because the situation is mandated such, um, easing of restrictions on certain things, you know, that kind of thing. After 9-11 and after, you know, um, the Iraq war and things of that nature and and all the war and terrorism, you know, that's really technically still going on. But, you know, ever since that, ever since 2001, I mean, uh, there's been an enormous amount of, of, of respect that has been shown and given rightfully so to people in the military you know it's like you know that was that's kind of just like a big thing like whenever you you know see someone in the military you're compelled you're compelled to go and shake their hand and thank them for their service that kind of deal sure i imagine you'll see that for healthcare workers soon right i bet you exactly that's where you're going i was like oh we really do need them like i mean there's a there's a group I follow on Facebook called the Silent No More Foundation, and it's it's just basically it's a group of mostly medical people who are in the in the medical field. It just they're basically just their opportunity to share their stories of just how they're abused by patients, mostly you know a lot a lot of times verbally abused and um, you know or are they even physically abused and they can't do anything about it because you know you can you can't you know. It's just a part of your job, basically. It's a, you know, right. they're, they're, they're the person. I mean, you think about it. If you, you know, most, most of the time when you go to the hospital, it's the worst day of your life, right? Sure. <laughs> you know, it's not something you're planned or wanted to be there and doing. Nobody plans to be like, hey, I don't think I'm going to go to the, go get checked into the hospital today. Unless you had some sort of elective surgery. If you're finding yourself in the ER or the emergency or the, the hospital room, um, you're not going to be feeling your greatest. And unfortunately, you have an entire building, you know, high-rise building that has full of these people with people who are you know who are educated and went to school and didn't and have a heart to take care of them but yet man it's like we i've seen it with my own eyes i mean especially when i was a practicing pastor you know when i would go visit people in my congregation in the church even people i knew and love in my church were mean to the nurses and i had to be like you know, hey, dude, like, don't, don't, don't be mean to them. They're the ones taking care of you here. Right. You know, there's, there's no need for that. Uh, and they, they, there's just like, I know, yeah, I understand that you're scared. I understand that you're, you know, worried or whatever. But you know, they're here to take care of you, not to, you make it harder on you. I hope we're gonna see um, more of a. I don't know if this will happen or not, but kind of along that same line. I hope we're gonna see a more of a trust for science, just in general. Um, yeah. Uh, healthcare professionals, people that study, you know, I'm not an epidemiologist, but people that are, you know, said at the beginning, Hey, this thing's going to get a lot worse before it gets a lot better. And then you have politicians that say, Oh no, it's going to be fine. You can still go to the movies and do whatever. And then that tone started changing really quickly. 
Um, Not to go super political, but as I recall, the very beginning of this, our president, Donald Trump, said that this was a Democratic hoax. Actual words came out of his mouth. This is a Democratic hoax. This is a hoax by the Democrats so they can impeach me. He's not saying those things anymore, thank God. But that is hopefully that we come out of this after however many lives we're going to lose. And I hope it's not any more. You know, I hope it's any more than well, dude, absolutely, the you know, today, whatever. You know, when but we're recording this, that New York mentioned that they're starting to see uh, the basically they're not as getting as they're as starting to plateau. Yeah, life. right. Which I mean, again, it's not necessarily good news, but it's not bad news. It's like we're now at a place where I think we can have right. maybe, a, they, maybe they maybe they maybe they peak. Right. And so, right. Uh, but I, th- I still think that this week is, you know, between now and uh, Easter or Sunday, I think we're looking at a pretty rough week. Um, well, yeah, us, us being here in the middle of the country, we tend to get things a couple weeks late, right? Just because things happen. So, um, you know, we get uh, a new fad a couple weeks late. Maybe with social media, not so much anymore. But it used to be, you know, we'd get a. I'd go to Boston, I'd pick up the newest fad, whatever it was, and I'd come back here and say, "Oh yeah, they're wearing their shorts all funny up there." And then before long, three weeks later, it'd be people wearing it here. Um, and so that kind of thing. But we also pick up economic highs and lows slower. Like if you think back to the 2008 shutdown, the 2008 glo- um, Great Recession, is what they call it. Right. Um, you, we got that kind of late. Like we did not really get that until almost 2009 because it just took a while for that to kind of percolate through. And the, But at the same time, we also didn't come out of it right away either because it takes a while for those things to, you know, those, those things just take a little bit to get here. And so I, and we're going to see that same way, you know, with, with the, with, with this infection is that you see your New York's and your California's and your Washington's, all these places kind of on the coast that have a lot of people being, being sick very, very quickly. Um, just because things happen faster there, right. The action's just there. And so a lot of places in the Midwest, I applaud them, especially um, in Kansas, Governor Governor Laura Kelly for doing things like, "Hey, we're going to shut down schools," um, right. which at the time is like Kansas is the first place in the country to shut down schools. What people don't understand is that our school years run differently here. So our school years run right. August to May, and most school years run like September to June. So it's a little bit different to say we're going to call school because if I just said we're going to cancel school and I sent that to my family in Boston, they'd say, what? Our school's not out till June. You're going to cancel right. June school already? But that's not what she did. She canceled school for May, which seems like a really great decision because we seem like we're all still going to be inside in May. Um, but uh, so we kind of had the benefit of being able to see other places and how they've dealt with this. And so that's helpful. But um yeah things just take a little bit of time to get here and so i don't think we I, obviously i can't speak from any kind of knowledge on this you know um but this is more just speculation um and i'm not a medical professional or an epidemiologist but i would have to think that we're probably going to see more of a peak here in our state before it gets better um i don't think it'll be as exacerbated as new york we have 100,000 cases or whatever the case whatever the the number is now um but hopefully we were able to enact things quick enough here because we did recognize, you know, kind of see the metaphorical writing on the wall that, Hey, this thing's coming. Um, and hopefully, you know, we've been able to do, um, do the things we need to do to social distance before it became a big issue and, and all of that, um, with the stay at home order and, and, and those sorts of things. 
Uh, another thing I think you're going to see a lot of with this um, is, at least in my field, I work in IT, as you know, um, you're going to see the beginning of the telecommute lifestyle. Um, yep. It's already it's already been a thing. People have already done it. But it's going to become yeah, way you, more. Man, I may only go to the office once, twice a week now. Really? <laughs> it's going to become Absolutely. way more acceptable. It's going to become way more acceptable in, in culture right. now. It's gonna, because it has to be, I mean, right? Yeah, especially with this. this morning, but... my boss, he's like, How, do you find, you find yourself getting more done or less done? I said, frankly, I'm getting way more done. Right. You know? Um, yeah. And so. I'm doing um, it within my own space. Yeah. I mean, you have some jobs where you have to go to work, right? You can't make good your right. tires at your house. You got to go into the factory for that. But right. um, those or sorts sales. of jobs are, or sales or that sort of thing, you have to be in a building. But a lot of time, I think we're going to see the beginnings of, and we've kind of been seeing it already with social media and doing being what it is. We're going to start to see, at least if I'm just speculating, we're going to start to see the the beginning of a really, really rapid um, social isolation just in culture, yeah. where we will all pretty much be in our homes. We will stream our content. You won't see people go out as much anymore. I mean, pandemic or no pandemic. Um, I imagine right afterwards, you're going to see people that, you know, this thing's cleared. Hey, you're free to go about your business. People are going to flood the movie theaters. They're going to flood televisions, um, television tapings of the late show and whatever else. They're going to flood restaurants. They're going to flood bars because people are going to want to get out, right? They're so stir crazy. But I think after that initial surge subsides, you're probably not going to see things go back to the way they were. You're probably going to see things go back to a more reserved nature where people go out less. Part of that will right. be the economy, I think. But I think also part of that will be I kind of got used to working at my house. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of have a man, nice setup there and I'm able to focus more. My, you know, I've got, yeah. Right. People are cooking more. They're more reliant upon themselves. People are finding new hobbies. There's a trending Twitter thing all the time of coronavirus hobbies where people right. are like, yeah, I learned how to sew. Why did you do that? Well, I had to sew a mask, but, you know, I kind of like doing that. And so I made three more for my family. They didn't even ask me to. And so now, I'm working, on a, now I'm working on a doily. Uh, no, I'm not wearing a mask to work yet, but we did order masks. Um, I don't have the materials to make one that's of any substantial um, thing. And for some reason, my glasses keep fogging up when I have my, um, I don't have a surgical mask or anything, but I tried to make one out of, um, oh, do you know, um, you know, those buffs that they wear on like Survivor? That's basically like just the tube of fabric. And they'll wear it on their head or they'll wear it on their arm or whatever. Well, I went to us. I think you might have been with me for this game. Um, sporting Kansas City, the soccer team um, here. Go sporting. Their yeah, season's yeah, canceled. Yeah, the go sporting. Right. Yeah, they, they they gave one to fans as they were coming into the game years ago. And I still had it. And I thought, well, you know, if I just put this around my neck and pulled it up over my face, it would pretty much be the requirement of a cotton barrier. Where, I mean, obviously, they don't want you to use medical grade because those are for your healthcare professionals and they can't get enough of those as it is. Um, so don't use one on yourself, but just, you know, something to physically keep, you know, somebody's cough off your face, right? right. Just better than nothing. Um, so I tried that and my glasses just kept fogging up all kinds of crazy. So we actually bought a couple mm -hmm. online today. Um, they're supposed to be in, I think in the next couple of days. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the most heartbreaking things I had to do was, um, we haven't really hit any kind of economic troubles or anything. I don't want to say that. I don't make it sound like we're you know, in the poor house cause we're not. Um, and if anything, we were probably going to break even if not come out ahead because I've been working so much overtime given my job that my overtime is compensating for my wife's closure of her place of business. Nice. Um, 
which is which is nice. And then you've got the unemployments and you've got the unemployment assistance that's been passed by Congress and you got stimulus checks coming and all that. So we might actually come out ahead. We're going to use extra money, I think, to pay off some debt and see if we can set ourselves up for success going forward. Who knows how long this thing will last, but just a little bit of my financial plan. So, um, but, um, oh, I thought one of the things we were going to do, um, help me out here. What was I talking about? You were talking, talking, talking about, you know, you're talking about things you were going to do to, um, Oh, oh the hardest thing that I had to do was we were, we were ordering masks. We were ordering masks. I'm t- I, was at, I was at work today. I had a couple of minutes. I'm looking at some masks and I found one and um, just the way it's designed, it kind of it, it kind of peaks at the nose and it kind of slopes down the face. And I thought, well, that'd be great for me because my glasses won't be really under right in front of the mask. They'll slope farther away. It just it, it looked like a better choice. So I texted my wife and I said, hey, you know, I think I'm I think I'm going to get a couple of these. So, you know, if you're going to the store or whatever, you can wear one. You probably don't need to wear it around the house. But um, if you're going to go out. Obviously, they want you to, you know, if you can't social distance yourself six feet apart from somebody else or eight feet or whatever it is, you probably need to have a mask when you're going to the store. And then she said, okay, great. Here's the, I think there were color choices or what have you. So here's the color that I like, I like for this material or what have you. Um, and then I had to text her. I, I thought about it and I texted her back and my heart just broke. I didn't tear up or anything, but I just, I texted her back and I said, do I need to get Ethan a mask? Right. Which is our son, our one-year-old son. Um, he's in good health. He's fine. Everything's okay. But I just kind of had a flash forward of sorts uh, of, you know, Hey, Ethan, let's go put on your mask so we can go to the store. Right. And that just broke my heart. I don't know. Something, oh, something man. about that image just really troubled me. The other night I was looking at this online. And I had the same thought. Like, in fact, they didn't even offer the website I was looking at. I didn't offer like child sizes. I'm like, well, that's interesting, but that's the good news is, at least right now, um, you know, the way it works for, for us is that I'm the only one who leaves the house once, maybe rarely twice a week. I've only had to go twice one time because I because it, it, was a, it was toward the beginning where a lot of things were really scarce. So I had to actually go out and get supplies twice that week. But it's just right. me. The girls haven't left the house. Um, yeah, I mean, that's for the best, right? That's the whole um uh, you know, grandpa thing the other day, but honestly, other than that, they've been able to stay home, which has been helpful, you know, and I mean, but the problem is I still bring stuff in, you know, so I had to Right, and so that's the, yeah, so you go in, you wash my hands really good. Change the clothes and wash the hands and sanitize and um, sanitize the grocery bags and the milk gallon and all these different things that you might have brought into your home and and all that. And so, um, yeah, I mean that, you know, obviously you're not going to have a bunch of people around your house just given where you live way out there and sticks, but um no. yeah it's 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 interesting um i think you're gonna see more of a you're gonna see more of a shift towards um, towards e-socialism not socialism e-socializing right right um as opposed to in-person socializing and you kind of see that already but i think video chats are become way more prevalent they kind of have been they've kind of been slowly right. you know coming off the back burner in recent years anyway but um, now with all of this work from home stuff, I mean, we can't even, um, at work and we'll just leave it as at work. You already mentioned that it's a state agency and that's cool, but we don't want to get too much into it. And that. I'm no, not I'm an author- authorized representative and I don't no. really want to talk about it a whole lot because I do it all the time, but, um, we are having trouble ordering laptops wow. because there simply are no laptops. <laughs> wow. When everybody in the world decides they all want to work from home at the same time. Um, mm. 
getting a laptop. I got my new one when I did. Right, getting a laptop has been troubling. And so, um, you know, we have hundreds of people that we, hey, hey, we're going to have these folks work from home now. We got to figure it out. And we've got two weeks because the governor is going to close the state for two weeks. And so you'll be essential. You're coming into work. Um, everybody else who's essential will be here too. And as we start getting laptops to these people, they're going to go work from home and the office will get less and less um, populated. Um, not necessarily for us in IT, but just for the building and uh, various departments therein. Um, so that's kind of what we're seeing now is that that two weeks is now over. Today was the first day of that, you know, that two weeks is that, that, that government closure has been extended given the, the nature of the infection and whatnot. But um, we're seeing a lot of people working from home now. And so that presents its own set of challenges for IT. Like, how do I help you with your printer problem when your printer's at your house and I can't just fix it? And so that's a bit different, but you're going to see people become more self-reliant, I think, just in general, um, just because people are picking up different hobbies. Um, are there any hobbies that you've picked up? I don't know, I've been working, but is there any hobbies you've picked up at the house that you've just had free time and gone, hey, I want to try this? Uh, let me think here. I I have some like like I want to do. Like I um I I want to I've always, I growing up I always uh was pretty jealous because all my friends were very musically inclined and I liked to listen to music, but I was I was never a singer or a in playing instrument or whatever, and so I thought this would be a good time to learn how to play the guitar. So my niece's boyfriend let me borrow her the guitar, and so I'm gonna give that a shot. I haven't started yet because I've been kind of still trying to settle in. Uh, I want to do right. that. I've been eating a lot healthier. I haven't I've been I haven't ate out in a long time, so that's been kind of really nice. You know, right, and, just out of uh, this, out of necessity. Through. Right, and I've also like been creatively. I've always enjoyed cooking, and and so now you know I have to like just expand, you know, because I don't eat the same things all the time, you know. So I've been really kind of like try to uh, expand that, you know. So it's like trying and trying new things. The kid's not a big fan of that, but Rachel's loving it. <laughs> right, um, you know, like she asks me like all the time, "What do you? What is that? Ew! What is that? What are you making?" And my kid just wait till I'm all done, then then you can then 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 you can have commentary. Well, I'll tell yeah. you what, if you, you know what I need you to do, since you're expanding your culinary arts, I need you to recreate and then document Cajun clam chowder. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish, man. I, think I need you, I, I, deal. I, I need you to just, you know, experiment culinarily with that and yeah. get that documented. Yeah. I remember, yeah, when we had that, that one night, that Cajun clam chowder, it was, it was amazing. Well, tell, tell, tell the fine folks at home about the Cajun clam chowder just quickly. Yeah, I know it, it was, I think it was a football game or something. And we were just like, Hey, let's just, you know, I, it was I, a Super Bowl. Guy, it was I a Super Bowl. You know, you're from New England, at least your family your history. And so you have a, you know, New England clam chowder is kind of a big thing, you know, when you're in your, in your, it was, this, it was, this, so, it was the second Patriots giant Super Bowl. Okay, got it. But I wanted to because you did like because you did a Boston themed party, and we had clam chowder, and we had Boston right, baked okay. beans, and we had Sam Adams beer, et cetera. Got it. Well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big Cajun food fan. You know, I I uh, I don't I'm not Cajun, but I married a Cajun, so which is funny because my wife is not a big fan of Cajun food, especially spice. So if I make Cajun food, I have to make it pretty bland, and then I can add my cayenne pepper or whatever later. But anyway, I thought we kind of like. Um, uh, you know, uh, to do uh, there, there's a word for it. Fusion, fusion is the is the the fancy culinary term. Fusion, co- fusion cooking when you take two things like Mexican and Chinese food, 
you wouldn't think that they go together. Then you find a way to mix them together and you have a fusion food. So I figured it'd be kind of fun to mix New England Claim Chowder with some sort of Cajun spin. And I don't remember how I did it. It was amazing. It was really tasty. I think it had it shrimp great. in it and clam and maybe crawfish. I had some really nice spices and it was still a creamy texture. Uh, but yeah, nope, I have no idea. He did it, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a one-time deal. Because uh, yeah, I, if, I, I if you get if you get some time, if you get some time, I need you to <laughs> just try to. I need you. I, I need you to go. Up. I need you to go through and just run through five or six recipes till you find the good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, we can, so we can write that yeah, down write because up. obviously yeah. it was really good because that Super Bowl was years ago. And we're still talking about it. So yeah, no, um, dude, you ain't lying. It was. Uh, well, it was very. It was very good. Um, so have the uh, have the kids picked up or the kids have the has the kid and uh, Rachel picked up any new hobbies? Uh, besides homeschooling, I mean that that's kind of that's definitely well, okay. uh, learning how to do that. I mean the good news is we are very um, I'm very blessed, and then my wife is a teacher, so it's not too much of a bridge for her to uh, tackle. You know, getting the assignments and the you know my my, my kids basically learning from an iPad. Um, now, now help me out with this school is out school is out right are teachers still assigning work and a curriculum or we we picked up a couple weeks ago we we stopped by the school they handed us an ipad and a plastic bag no joke um and and (laughs) we took it home and it had all the apps loaded and her your teacher emailed the sign-in and once a day, you go on Monday, Monday through Friday during school hour. During school day, you can takes about half an hour to forty five minutes. You know, uh, you go on there, and there's assignments every day that pop up. That and the, 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 like, she's in kindergarten, so all the kindergartner teachers take turns teaching. You know, one one teacher goes on math, another teacher is like phonetics, another teacher does you know, you know, science or whatever. You know, they kind of just all take turns and. Um, my 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 daughter has yeah says homework and uh, has projects and I mean it's kindergarten so it's not like it's a big deal. I can't imagine high schoolers. I have no idea what they're doing. Like I can't imagine. Well, that's what I was curious about. It's like they canceled school, but it's like they canceled the, the classes were kind of canceled in the middle of the semester. Right. Um, we still had essentially a quarter to go. So. W- do people get to move on to the next grade? Do they all have to take the same grade over again? Do you have to finish this? I don't know what that looked like. Yeah. The only way that you can move on is if you have, is if you do the work that is given to you by your, by your teachers. Uh, And and there you're, you're basically, you're doing an online school basically. And, and so that, that you have assignments that every day have to be completed and graded, I'm assuming, if you're older. Um, and it's like no difference. You know, the probably good news is, is that rather than spending an entire, you know, six, seven, eight hour day, you're able to, especially, you know, do it within an hour to two hours. Cause that's all you're concentrating on and focusing on by yourself. Um, but you know, it works out okay. I get it. And, and Rachel's like found a way to, you know, uh, really kind of creatively, you know, make it good. I, I've had to kind of get on Island though a little bit because she, she, you know, she doesn't, hasn't really understood that when a teacher's talking on the iPad, that, that it's pretend that it's an actual teacher talking, you know, and you wouldn't get up and dance around or whatever if your teacher was talking. You have to, you know, you sit there and you listen. 
And so she's right. getting the hang of it, you know, and it's, it's definitely difficult as she, you know, the telling her, I mean, she was just getting into kindergarten, just recently had her hundred days celebration and she was loving school, loves her teacher, loves the kids as she goes to school with all of her friends there. And, and then it's, Hey, you can't go to school anymore. Yeah, after go there, I made that announcement, and spring break was over, and she was all excited about going back to school. Well, I had to, we had to just tell her, like, baby, I'm sorry, but school is canceled for the rest of the year. At least you won't be going to your school. And that was heartbreaking, man. I mean, she was just so sad and just, like, didn't really understand, you know, like, but she understood enough to where she wouldn't be able to see her friends. So the good news is they've been doing like a Zoom call once a week with, if, no, you haven't lived until you've seen a Zoom call with a bunch of kindergartners. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is exactly what you would imagine it being. Um, you know, well, that was my next question was how, was obviously the one, the, one of the important things about schooling and public schooling and any kind of schooling is that the social interaction with people your own age and, mm -hmm she doesn't have that at home because she has her parents and some dogs and right. nobody else. So how, how is she acclimated or how are you guys acclimating her I to mean, that? And it sounds like the zoom call maybe is the way really to do way it. To do that. Honestly, honestly, the only way we can do is just, it's just to keep her mind occupied. You know, right? they go outside every day when I, even when I'm working, sometimes I'll go out there with them, but if it's a nice day, they'll go outside and play and, uh, you know, or, um, you know, she, Rachel uh, developed a, uh, she created her little playroom, a little vet area. So I, when, you know, I'm doing work at home. Rachel's doing maybe work for her work from home. Eisen will go be her veterinarian so she can go work from home. You know, and all of her little stuffed animals, you know, she takes care of them. And so just trying to find ways to creatively keep her mind going, you know, and, and, and she's never been, it's not hard for her to play self-play anyway. She's sure she's an only child. And she has no one to play with but herself, and so you know, just like she can just kind of that way. However, she definitely misses you know the interactions. I mean, definitely with her, with her grandparents and stuff. And so we, you know, we're trying to make it fun the best we can. I mean, and um, you know, just have to keep on remembering it's not. You just tell, keep telling her that we're just being germ busters, and we're you know we don't want to. Um, you know, get, get anybody sick and we don't want to get sick ourselves and we want to keep everybody healthy. And, um, you know, she, she knows about the coronavirus and to what her little mind can think of. Um, but, uh, it's tough. Uh, and, and I can't imagine kids, parents who have, you know, multiple kids, um, right. you know, four or five and still work, especially like single parents or like single nurses and doctors and healthcare workers. I have no idea how they're doing it. I, right. I truly have no so, idea. That, that's just so crazy to me. We've been pretty fortunate. Our daycare is still open. Um, right. Our daycare is open to only essential members of the workforce, such as yours truly. Um, so every morning I will take, just like normal, we'll go to school. I'll take Ethan to daycare. I mean, he's just one. So we call it school, but really it's just daycare. Um, it's pre, it's pre, 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 pre K or something. Um, that's probably too many pre's. You get the idea. Um, so we take him to school. Um, and then, um, that essentially kind of frees my wife up to do destiny. She's just kind of free to do what she wants. And so she's just out of necessity more than anything. Cause I've just haven't been around a whole lot. Um, she's essentially stepped into the role of homemaker. Um, uh, because she, there's no other choice, right? 
Um, she can't go to work at her frozen yogurt, the frozen yogurt place, or she's the assistant manager because you mean frozen yogurt is not considered essential. No, it's not. It, it's not even the frozen yogurt because I think Dairy Queen is still open as being essential. That's true. The problem with the the frozen yogurt place she works at is that it is self serve, and so oh. everybody grabs the levers of the frozen yogurt and the toppings, and and that's mm. the that's the that's the real sticky wicket, as it were. Um, and so I guess that's you could get around that model, by. Man. I, I wonder how they're going to keep yeah. that going. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I know that uh, she is not allowed. Uh, I say allowed. They have closed until the first of May, um, at which point they'll reevaluate. And so, um, you know, we've 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 done everything that you're supposed to do, right? As far as the filing for the unemployment and, um, you know, that that sort of thing, and um, possibly even looking at another job at a Walmart temporarily or someplace that is open to try and, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, just out of necessity, she's. It's very weird because we used to both, you know, we're just a regular modern American family. So we both we both work. We both have jobs and we have our son goes to daycare and then we come home in the evenings and we're a family and then it's we both go to work again. And now it's really odd because one of us really isn't able to work just given the economic, you know, interactions of the time. But the other one is working all the time. And so it's really weird. It's almost like we had a scale where we both had kind of work and personal. And now that scale has kind of shifted so that one of us is all personal and one of us is all work. Um, and that's an interesting, interesting thing. Um, it's been a bit of a struggle. It hasn't been horrible, but it's just taken a little bit of getting used to. Um, but we're kind of settling into, I guess, what I call the new normal. Um, but I'm sure just yeah, as when we get settled in, it's going to, it's, it's going to change. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, how, how are you doing with the work from home piece? I know you said it's pretty great. Um, I have it never been able so to work from bad. home effectively ever just because yeah. I think I need the difference of space. Like I loved right. it when I worked out of town because I had, I, my work was in one town and my, my life was in another town. And so yeah, it took me an hour to get between each one, but, um, that hour allowed me to kind of leave work at work. And right. I have a really big problem with bringing work home. And so yes. when I do work from home, I have a really difficult time separating when it's time to work and when it's time to, in my case, well, be a dad. Do, well, I, okay, so I'll, how do you, how, how do you, how do you, how do you balance that? Um, I haven't yet. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, I guess I love it and I'm enjoying it a lot. I think as far as productivity goes, it's a 10. As far as time management goes, I'm like a three or four. And uh, in, 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 when I say time management, but I is mean, it, but is it a 10 just because you find yourself working way more than you did normally? Um, it's because I'm able to. I mean, you can I, obviously I, be I, more productive when you work 12 hour days than eight hour days. I guess is what I'm saying. Right. No, it's, it's because I don't, I don't have any distractions. I mean, when I was at the office, I had other people around me who, you know, I uh, needed me. Or well, you had, to, you, had to, or, you had to manage things and sure. Now it's right, kind of you. They, they had to go for lunch and I had to cover the phones. I don't have to answer the phones anymore. You know, so it's like I'm able to just focus on my projects and, 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 and creatively, you know, find ways to benefit, you know, the, the ministry. And the, that I work for, so it's like I, I'm able to kind of like creatively really open up my palette rather, and just kind of be like, 
you know, what can I do today to make the ministry better? And I never really had that before because I was always solving problems. Not to say I haven't had to solve my share of problems I've had to solve for people because this whole thing has been quite a transition. The the only problem that I've seen is that towards, especially towards the middle to the end of last week, I wasn't coming upstairs to like 637. So, so help me help me understand. Pride. You have a you have a physically you have a workspace in the house. Yeah, yeah. It's and again, that's the office or the library or some right. sort of spot you go. I'm going to work, and you go to the spot. Right. This is a there's a downstairs guest room that uh, I brought my old desk in in the corner, and uh, and I have uh, created. That's where I'm right now. I have created my own little office space area. And uh, right. so when you're down there, you're working, but, but that's still, right. so you're still somewhat physically disconnected because right. you have an office. And then when you leave the office, you're quote unquote at home. Right. But when you right. go to the, the office, thing, you're quote unquote at work. Right. The only thing that I do miss is that time of decompression. Cause I have a 30 minute drive home. Right. So I'm right. able to listen to music or have the windows down or, you know, talk to my wife about her day or whatever. It's like, I do miss that time of decompression and that time away. Cause right now I literally just go upstairs, you know, still full of all the stuff that I did that day. Sometimes it's more stressful or whatever. Uh, and then I make dinner and then we go home with the kid, you know, it's just like, so I need that kind. So I'm starting to kind of, especially as the weather's going to get nicer, I'm going to start finding ways to like, you know, go outside and fly my new drone, you know, or, um, take, go take a walk, you know, uh, go fishing or just do something for half an hour to an hour just to kind of, you know, get away from my, right. you know, all the things of that day just to kind of decompress and kind of go, you know, transition from a worker to a dad and a husband. Right. And yeah, that's yeah. the part I've always had a trouble doing. And I think part of that is we just, I mean, when it was a little bit easier before we had a baby, I'm sure everybody will say that. Um, because just given our home, we have a two bedroom home that we rent and we had an extra bedroom because it was me and my wife and one, and then there was a spare. And so if we had a guest over fine, but you don't have a guest over now. So that'd just be kind of an office space and a storage room and whatever. And so it wasn't too hard to work from home in there. Cause again, I had that separation. Now that's the baby's room. And even though he right. wouldn't be here, he would be a daycare. I, I find it hard to pick a spot that's kind of like my work spot. And so that could, I mean, it might be the desk that's in our, you know, in my bedroom, it might be the table that I'm sitting at in my living room. Uh, It might be on the couch. Like I just, I just can't find an actual spot where it's like, you know what, this is going to be my work spot. And I think for me in order to focus, I just need that. Like I just need, I need to be able to, I, I need to have what you have where you go to a special spot to work and a special spot to go home and, in my experience, the farther apart those things are physically, the better. Um, well, I guarantee you, all across the nation, there are people working from their kitchen tables, and and sure. and, and, and and that is it was you got to do what you got to do. But I, I can't imagine that. Like, and that's why I said, you know, even several weeks ago on this on the episode, I'm just like, I'm grateful because I I have been able to really make the best out of the situation, and I'm in mindful of all of those people who don't have it, you know, who live in the city, who don't have a place they can go to to work peacefully, you know. Yeah, can you imagine living in an apartment? Imagine living in an apartment in a big city. You live in a box. Right. And you talk, you can't interact with anybody else that lives in the other boxes that are next to your box. And New York's not such a problem, man, because, I mean, you're constantly around people whether or not you want to be or not. 
Well, I think um, population density for sure. There's definitely it, it, it'd be silly to think that your population density centers aren't going to be the spots where things can travel easier. Um, case in point, Shawnee County, where I live, has 30 cases of coronavirus, and your county, which is one county south like of me, has eight. four. Four or eight. Yeah, I mean, not, not you know, a, a full order of magnitude less, uh, if not three or four times less. Um, and so, you know, urban centers just for disease, urban centers have better spreadability. They just do. Um, I think part of that's what you're saying, but, um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that. Like we have enough space in our house. Our house is big enough that, you know, we have kind of spaces in which is three of us. So it's not too bad. Um, you know, we've got, we've got, you know, we're so fortunate. We've got the internet, we've got Xbox, we've got this, you know, the ability to video chat with our loved ones and all these different things. Imagine if you were in the time of the Spanish flu when you couldn't do that. Uh, one, you probably wouldn't even know you were having an infection. For that matter. Well, yeah, sure, right. Well, I was thinking back to the 1918 Spanish flu, or 1919 Spanish flu, right. because people were really trying to compare that to this, but you didn't even really necessarily knew you, know you had a pandemic at that point. Imagine you were able to communicate no. the way we are now. Maybe it is like an 80s type right. situation where you're able to communicate effectively across you know, different places, but yet you can't really do anything to stay connected at home. Like the best thing you could do is talk on the phone um, in your seventies or your eighties, maybe even your nineties. And so now it's like video chatting and we're doing a podcast despite us being 45 minutes from each other. Um, you know, just through, just through kind of the wonders of technology. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot more people stay home um, because they've kind of found I hope people find new hobbies and, you know, make themselves better and expand their, expand their horizons, you know, physically and emotionally and spiritually and whatever else. But, um, and you know, time lends itself to those things. But I wonder if you're going to start to see people that choose to not go out, not necessarily for fear, but just because they've become best friends with themselves and they don't need that external satisfaction anymore. Well, there's a question actually I mean, I've been meaning to ask you, and this is actually a perfect time to ask you because I think a lot of people have this question, is beings that we are absolutely, especially now, I mean, so reliant on um, internet. I mean, people now are working, you know, are doing, I think the internet's just clogged with, with people. I mean, everybody's on it, you know, especially all day during the day where they wouldn't necessarily be on it. I mean, there's no such thing as a peak time anymore because everybody's at home using it for Netflix right. or working or um, gaming it's funny or you bring up. It's funny you bring up Netflix. Um, the European Union actually asked Netflix to lower its quality of video streaming because they were worried that um, the European Union all kind of shares the same internet hub because they're all essentially the same country with the European Union being one of this. And so um, the European Union asked Netflix to lower its intentionally lower its streaming quality from 4K or whatever it was down to like 720p so that um, they would not clog the various servers of the European Union and ensure that everybody had internet to do what they needed to do um, because they were worried some people would stream that actually clog up the like, system. Is, is the quote-unquote internet a finite resource. Can you run out of internet? Uh, <laughs> and maybe the, uh, so the dovetail question to that is, are we ever going to be at risk of, especially here in America, the internet crashing because of overuse? So the first thing I thought of when you asked that question was the South Park episode where they have to go find some internet. 
Right. Uh, just the way you just right. the way you phrased it, I just immediately thought of right. gotta get me out to California way, try to find me some internet. Um, <laughs> just well, just gotta, made me laugh. Like that. Like Google it. Like, a, like gas. Like you gotta go refill the internet. You know? Right, right. So I think the I think the finish of that episode is they go to Area 51 and unplug the big router and then plug it back in and then it works again. But anyway, um uh, it's just a funny little thing. So if you get if if, yeah. if if you're a listener of the show and you happen to be a South Park fan, go find that episode yeah. and try to stream it if you can. Um, the internet is a finite resource, but really the internet is simply the connection of multiple computers to one another. That's all it is. So the bandwidth would be a resource, right? The bandwidth is like a riverbed and the bandwidth is like the flow of the water. So if, you know, you've got, um, Oh, goodness. If you're going down a river and you've got 48 canoes, it's really hard to get all down the river all at once because you're all clogging up the waterway. Um, That's a good way to put it. That's a decent analogy. I'm kind of going on the fly here. I didn't know you were going to ask that, but um, that's kind of that's kind of the idea. Um, Is we're all sharing the same river. You can have you can have an unlimited number of canoes so long as you have a big enough waterway for everybody to traverse it without getting each other's way. Right. you know, oh, hey, there's a fire outside my house and there are a thousand firefighters. No, there's not. Yeah, They'd be bumping into each other. With, right. Um, it comes uh, down what, to hardware. What? I mean, it just comes down to hardware. And uh, in the commercial space, it comes down to what you pay for, right? Because you have an internet service provider and they say, we're going to give you X number of bandwidth for um, X number of dollars a month or whatever it is. Um, and so that's part of it. But then on a much bigger global scale, it just comes down to hardware. How quickly can we send that traffic from one place to another? Cause really all we're doing, but we're all talking about is servers, right? And so servers are essentially computers that are designed to give things to other computers. That, that's all we're talking about. So you and I are recording this podcast right now. I'm on my phone. You're on a laptop. We, you know, my audio is going to my phone and then going to the internet provider that I have in my home and then going to the website that you are using for this podcast recording and your content is going the same to the same place. And then we are both receiving each other's content. So that's all fine. As long as the waterway is big enough for that. But if I was streaming Netflix and trying to play Xbox live and trying to download a movie on my computer and trying to update my other laptop and try to do that with you, I probably would be able to do it all at once. Because the bandwidth would just not support such a thing, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know if you globally would run out of internet. It'd kind of be like running out of river. I don't think that's a weird right. thing to think about conceptually. I could see things becoming overloaded to the point that the servers begin to fail. Um, so the, a great example of that is the Kansas unemployment website, which unemployment has gone from record lows to you know, monumental highs in a very short amount of time. Um, the unemployment numbers this past week were 6.6 million, whereas three weeks ago they were 200,000. So we're just, you know, orders of magnitude way more because this thing happened so suddenly. Um, unemployment websites across all kinds of states are crashing because the servers were not built to handle that kind of traffic. So many people are trying to hit them at the same time. They just can't keep up. And so you'll probably see that begin to happen. Um, but your big companies are going to have plans for that. Like Netflix doesn't run everything off of one server in some guy's basement, right? They've got farms across the entirety of the world. So that if you're in Topeka, this is a server farm. Yeah. Wow. Um, it's also called a data center. We call the farm data center. 
Um, I you know, but it's so, some guy in overalls going and through the server. And I was, I don't <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I gotta go fix this Netflix server. There you go. <laughs> oh, Disney Plus is down again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, they but like Disney, Disney Plus seeds. Disney Plus. <laughs> right. Uh, Disney Plus as a, or Netflix or whatever, they have multiple copies of Toy Story or whatever they're streaming so that you can get that from a number of different sources, right? I don't, if I'm building a, if I'm building a streaming site from the ground up, I don't want everybody in the world coming to one place to get one file. That'd be ridiculous. So instead, I put mm. copies of that file in various places around the world. And then for performance reasons, I say, if you're in Topeka, Kansas, and you are trying to watch Toy Story, the closest server to you is in Dallas. So go get it from Dallas. If you're in Shanghai, the closest server to you is in Beijing. Go get it from Beijing. Because I have no need for people in Shanghai to come all the way to Dallas, and I have no reason for people in Topeka to go all the way to Beijing. That'd be stupid. And so, you know, there's a little bit of speed of light travel there. It just takes less time for me to, you know, traverse a bunch of wires that get me to Dallas versus traveling all around the world and coming back. Um, but we're talking milliseconds and milliseconds, but over time that adds up, right? So, you know, you've got to go from various pieces of hardware through various telephone lines to various underground cables to maybe even a satellite or two coming back down to the planet. That all just takes a little bit of time. Um, and so, I mean, you see that with things like TV broadcasts too, like, um, you know, if you're ever watching a baseball game or something and you're texting somebody, like I always text my cousin on the East Coast and um, he'll say, oh, that was a great play. And I will not have seen the play yet because he's closer to the ballpark than I am. The TV right. signal just takes less time to get to him. Right. Hmm. Um, just the same kind of idea. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you might see things like I don't think you'd see a catastrophic failure of a big system unless it really got hammered. Um, the closest thing I can think of recently, and you probably know about this more than I would be maybe there's some sort of really hot concert ticket or something and a ticketing website crashes because people are trying to meet the demand or there's a new hot album that comes out and iTunes crashes because it so can't quite sell them fast enough or something. Right. So what you're saying is it's more likely for a website to crash rather than the quote unquote internet to crash. Right, because we're just talking about connections to different things, right? So it's not likely that your internet service provider would crash, although I guess it's possible for AT&T to crash itself, um, at which point all the people that have AT&T would be affected. Right. Yeah, but there's so many people out there that have so many different connections to have it all fail all at once would be a real... I mean, you'd have to take something really massive. Um, And the only thing I can think of is like, you know, if you had some sort of electromagnetic pulse or a solar flare or something that just happened to blast everything in the country all at once, like that kind of thing. Um, But that wouldn't be an internet failure. That would be a, that would be a mechanical failure. Do you think the government has the potential, has the, has the capability to just flip a proverbial switch? Like for example, remember several years ago when North Korea just all of a sudden didn't have internet <laughs> and yeah. for like a couple yes. weeks and a lot of people were speculating that we had something to, as America had something to do with their internet just going blood going dark. Um, I don't, I'm not at liberty to discuss such things given that I work. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
I'm just given given that I work for the government, I'm not at liberty to discuss things that are classified. Uh, no, I'm just teasing. Um, I don't work for that part of the government anyway. So um, I don't think so. I mean, I guess you could maybe through the legal process go, hey, Cox, we need you to turn off your internet, or hey, AT and T, we need you to disconnect whatever your main internet thing okay, is so they, they would have they would have to like but get but yeah it's, to turn it off. for for us it's probably all through it's all through private enterprise right like uh, i mean the government who's the government yeah. the government has internet in the capitol building who do they pay their internet bill to somebody right right they got right. you know it's just like a, it's just like electric it's, it's just it's a utility at this point it's just like your water and your electric and your gas um whereas countries that are more authoritarian like china and your North Korea's, I mean, everything that they do goes through a filter, goes through a sensor. And so, but that's how they're set up. So you can have these big companies, but then all of their content has to go through the government in some kind of way. And so then the infrastructure is built so that everything can go through the government sort of way. Um, We're not quite built that way. And so it's just, it's just different. Um and obviously in China and North Korea and such, you can get around those things with proxy avoidance, VPNs and those sort of things. But um, I, I would imagine that there's going to be some of that mechanism. Edward Snowden laid out a little bit of that with um, his big disclosure of documents. And he covers part of that in his book um, that there's just so much mass collection of stuff, but it's not necessarily like the government's tapped into everything. It's just that the government has access to all those things because those companies have given access to all those things. So it's not well. Okay, so okay, so nothing. Not everything runs through them. They just kind of have their fingers on the right buttons in these companies to get these things done. I guess is a better way to say it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the president could just deal. Yes, net neutrality is a huge deal. Um, Essentially, what net neutrality says is that your is that one packet of data is exactly the same and should be treated as such from any other packet of data on the internet. Um. Essentially, what that means is, is that I can't discriminate, I being the internet service provider or the company, I can't discriminate based on what that content is or where that packet is going. I can, I only just traverse it the same as I traverse anything else, right? And so um, you, you see big companies like Facebook and Wikipedia and Google and all these companies come out and say, no, 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 we are in favor of net neutrality because net neutrality is essentially freedom to do what you want. Um, right. It, it possibly would come with some pitfalls. I mean, you know, if you're doing things that are illegal, we'd have to honor that data the same as we'd honor stuff that's legal. Um, we have a justice department for that. So that would kind of take care of that piece of it. But um, you know, as far as a service provider. And so what you see a lot of times is, and you see this now, it's like, Hey, if you, um, I guess the best example would be like, if you sign up for T-Mobile, we'll give you a year of Netflix and it won't count against your data. Oh, wow. That's a violation of net neutrality because I'm treating that traffic differently because it's right. through Netflix. I'm not counting it against your data plan. So for you, for you, Joe user, that's great except that could easily just go the other way. Oh, you have Sprint and we're not partnered with Netflix. Netflix is going to slow down our connection. Sorry. You have to pay for the that's premium tier to get a faster connection to Netflix. It's like, no, that's not that's how that should work. Terrible. 
right? And so that's not that's not the idea. And so the idea that the the, the internet has been built on this idea of essentially freedom of speech that you can go anywhere you want and that's totally freedom. And you have these companies like Comcast, they're a big one. Comcast, when this whole thing happened, they said, well, no, 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 you don't understand. We don't want to throttle your speeds or do anything to prevent you from getting, we believe in a free and open internet. We just want these abilities. If we ever chose to do something with them, that's all we want them for. <laughs> and you go, okay, well, if you're yeah. saying you're never going to do them, why do you want them? Why do you, you know, you never know with these things, but we're, we're for a free and open internet. We ju- we're just asking for these things in the event, something were to come up where we need to do something for you to make it, make your life better. And it's like, cool. If you believe in a free and open internet, why don't you show that by backing off and supporting net neutrality? Because it would go a long way coming from you, the internet provider that you think the internet should be free and open. So as of Um, right now, the internet's free and open. uh, In the United States, I believe that's still the case. Yes. Um, But our, I mean, our internet rights are being taken all the time. That's just that's that's the fight for net neutrality. And think that could be a at the end. Of, maybe that's I mean, a that could very well be at the end of this Corona apocalypse thing. I mean, they because we're using so much bandwidth that that might become uh, a topic it, it, of discussion. Um, it would probably be very it'd probably be down there on the agenda somewhere, perhaps if there was a big cascading failure or something where. I don't know, right. Google failed and it sent all of its traffic to Yahoo and then they failed and they sent all their traffic to AT&T and then they failed and then they sent all their data to Verizon and then they failed. But again, it would take something monumental to have that happen. Um, right. That would likely be something that would have to globally affect stuff because, you know, all these companies have data centers that are redundant, right? So if there's a snowstorm in Minneapolis, will they just go to the servers in Phoenix? It's not... It's not a big deal, right? So you just have something that really would affect everything kind of all at once so that those failovers couldn't happen. Um, or you'd have to have some sort of, a, like you had mentioned, a big switch or something in Area 51 that somebody just go turn off the internet. <laughs> and I don't, I, you know, I, I doubt that that would be, that that would happen. Um, it probably be that si- doesn't sound like that's scientifically possible. Like it's, it's a matter of servers all across the nation. You can't really just turn all of them off. Well, they're all across the world. I mean, remember, a lot of your internet traffic goes to a satellite in space and goes back down. Okay, well, that's the case I mean, when the satellite goes down. Well, that's a great question. Well, we, that, that, that's something that, you know, comes up. Uh, Elon Musk has been looking at something called Starlink, where he wants to give he wants to give low-cost internet to rural regions that can't get internet, and that's a great idea because uh, the International Space Station is only 60 miles straight above your head. Right. So that's when you think about it, that's not that far. No, um, it's 60 miles. I'm not saying that's, you know, but it's 60 miles straight up to a satellite in space. That's kind of where space begins. There's no official start. It kind of gets thinner and thinner until it becomes a vacuum. But um, if we think about just where the quote unquote official line of outer space starts and the Earth stops, it's about 60 to 70 miles above the Earth. Um, so if you put a satellite yeah, out there at 80 miles, it's. You know, or something. Well, that well, I would hope that our missile defense teams are on that. But um, right. yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. But again, that would take an act of malice from somebody else, and every country is kind of going through this right now. So it's like, do you really want to be a jerk and shoot down the internet satellite for Tulsa? Because so the idea with Elon Musk Starlink is that he wants to actually take a bunch of satellites and put them kind of over a giant space together. So let's say over all of the middle of Africa or something. 
and put a bunch of them up there that all link to one another so that if one were to fail, all the other ones kind of pick up the slack. Um, mm. It's the same kind of idea as we do here with a data center in Phoenix and a data center in Boston, but above us instead. And so it's, I mean, there would be servers up there per se. They basically just would route the signal, but um, it's a neat idea because I can run hundreds of miles of internet cable through a dense jungle, or I can give you a satellite that points straight up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it might be, have an issue when it rains potentially. But we can fix that with, right. you know, just newer technologies and whatnot. So it's, I don't know, that's tricky. Um, but I think with this whole Corona thing, you're going to see a lot of people work from, work from home. We're already seeing that. We can't get, you can't get laptops or anything of the sort. You're going to see people more reliant on online purchasing. I think your online economy right. is going to go through the roof. And I wouldn't doubt, and I think this is interesting too, just conceptually, I wouldn't doubt that you start seeing some sort of a UBI. Um, for an extended period of time. Um, Andrew Yang ran for president on the idea of a UBI, universal basic income, the idea being that you should be given a certain dollar amount of money that you can use for whatever you want. Hopefully you use it for your expenses or what have you. And we're kind of seeing that with these stimulus checks in a way um, because you've got a country that's not working. I mean, by and large, right. you have a whole country staying home because they're told to. and that's not, you know, the, the, the hot button word for that is sustainable, right? That's not sustainable. Right. So what do we do to make that right? Well, it's not so-and-so's fault that they had to stay home. Their boss laid them off because nobody's coming into the restaurant because the restaurant had to close. Right. But that person still yeah, has to pay their rent. They still have to eat. Yeah. Six, seven trillion dollars. That just blows my mind. What I would love to see happen, and I've, I have a dog in this fight, so I'm biased, but just while we're talking about it, what I would love to see happen, and just if you've been, pay, if you've been paying attention, you, you should be infuriated by this. When this whole thing started to happen and the stock market started to kind of slip, it hadn't fully tumbled, but it was definitely sliding. The Treasury and the Fed gave $1.5 trillion to Wall Street, just pumped it right in there. Here you go. Where'd that money come from? They just poofed it out of thin air and they gave it to wall street. Then the stimulus bill comes along $2 billion stimulus bill. Some of that goes to small businesses. Another half billion dollars goes to, um, or half a trillion dollars goes to wall street. So if you're paying attention, that's $2 trillion to wall street. You get 1200 bucks per person and we'll give you an extra 500 bucks. If you got a kid. Oh Yeah. But at the same time, though, if you, but if you, I, I'd, be, I'd be interested to know how much money is going to people. Like, I don't know what the, you know, like how many I think people that, that no, is. Cause, well, let's, let's figure it out. Yeah. So um, if we have $1,200 per person and we have roughly 350 million Americans. So. Yeah, but how many of those are kids and. People, okay, so let's say uh, let's say we have 300 million adults, 50 million kids. Okay, uh, I'm again, we're just back in the envelope math here. So, um, 12 times three is 36, and then I've got four zeros, and then I've got my million. So that's 360 million dollars. 
sorry, sorry, three hundred sixty billion dollars. Little short of the two trillion that Wall Street was given. Yeah, that's a good point. Two trillion would be two thousand billion dollars. You were to put it in that perspective. So three hundred sixty for you and me, and two thousand billion (laughs) dollars for. Wall Street. Uh, the thing that yeah, I thought you could bad. do, and, and and this was kind of pitched by Democrats and in, in, in Congress, and it was kind of quickly dismissed. For one point five trillion dollars, and this is go look this up. This figure actually exists. You can just go, just go Google it. For one point five trillion dollars, you could eliminate student loan debt in this country with a snap of your fingers. Yep. trillion is about the cost of all the student loan debt in all of the country right now. Yeah, but I never really so if we're just paying off debt, I I think that it's a matter of uh, you know principle and pride when you're able to pay off a debt owed. I I would agree with you, but if we're going to pump 1.5 trillion dollars into Wall Street, we're going to poof it out of thin air. Then why wouldn't we poof 1.5 trillion dollars? into paying off student loans, which means now a lot of people in this country that are struggling to pay their student loans, we see student loans go into into, into default and into forbearance and um, all these sorts of things. People can't make their student loan payments. They're on income-driven plans, et cetera. All of that goes away. Now, suddenly, I've given every American that has a student loan an extra $400 a month without really doing anything because now they don't pay that student loan debt. It's gone. And so, uh, you know, it's a sexy thing to say, oh, let's pay off my student loan debt. And I, I get that that's, you know, a thing. But if we're already going to pump that much money into Wall Street, you know, if you put that money and into it, the yeah. bottom, it will eventually flow to the top anyway. We have a problem with where, you know, 90% of the wealth in this country is controlled by 1% of Americans and corporations. Right. So that money will flow back up, rest assured. But... If you're trying to if you're trying to pump the economy really quickly, what you do is instead of and they did the and, and to the to Congress's credit, um, and this goes back to how you know we we're coming out financially even and again maybe ahead if it really kind of falls our way. Um, student loan debt. If you have a state, if you have a Department of Ed student loan, all student loan debt is on hold at zero percent interest. All payments are stopped as far as they won't be collected. They're not due, um, but. They will be treated as if you made a payment. So if you have student loan forgiveness things, or you're trying to come out of default or whatever with consecutive payments, it'll be like you made a payment, even though you never did um, until September. So until September 30th, that's that's a real thing. Um, so that's that's an interesting, um, interesting thing that, that, that that's happening. Um, but we can talk about maybe that on another episode. So yeah. I figure you probably want to you probably want to wrap you probably want to wrap this up. And I got the doo 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 in my AirPods that uh, they're oh, getting ready to die. So well, they were at hundred when we they were at hundred when we started. So yeah, well, it's been, we'll probably even get. I think yeah, we'll be able to make two out of this. I think. Well, man, it's been a been a pleasure. I hope uh, all is well with you and your family, and you guys stay healthy, stay well, and I uh, can't wait to give you a big hug after. All this Corona Palooza business is over from, from six feet away, and we can high five elbows. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes, All right, we'll start slow. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the elbow thing going. I kind of like the elbow thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I greet people with an elbow touch and jazz hands now, so I'm kind of just digging that. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, that um, actually, that's pretty fancy. 
I kind of, I kind of pop the jazz hands right about the shoulder. You kind of bend the elbows. So your hands are about shoulder level and you kind of go, Hey, how's it going? And you kind of pop those jazz hands and I might just keep doing that after this. Why do you do that ass from the coronavirus thing in 2020? It's 2048. Yeah. Yeah, I just liked it. I just kept, kept it going. Yeah. Keep the, keep the dream alive. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know there's a lot of people who hate hugs that are loving this time around oh yeah if you're so. an introvert people are like i don't know what to do at home all day introverts are like please yeah, yeah this is great this is if yeah, i can't do that man i gotta get out i gotta do something i gotta go to a movie i gotta go with friends i gotta <laughs> uh, my wife's the introvert i am not that guy so right uh yeah i'm okay with it. hey you want to go get groceries yes yes please i will go pick up our groceries right all right, man. Well, well hey, this is super good this night. has been great. We'll let you go. Uh, be well. Wash your hands. Yes. Um, likewise. Yeah. Things are good. There, things are. Hands. I'll call you if I find any toilet paper at a store. Yes. Yes. Please. Let I'll be me sure know. to. I'll be sure to <laughs> let you know. So good, but I know eventually it's going to be going to be a danger zone. All right, man. Have a wonderful night. Thanks again. I really appreciate you showing up. All right. Be well. No problem. All right, guys, have a wonderful evening, afternoon, morning, wherever you are. Thank you so much again for Matt for joining us. Until next time, God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo.